Welcome everyone to episode 79 of the Racing Line podcast. It's just Joey and I tonight. Anthony is MIA, uh, working out in his garage, apparently looking after his son. But uh, Joey, mate, Monaco Grand Prix, how good was it? Mate, well, firstly, hey, hey, go, mate. Hope you had a good week. You too. Really? Uh, I think we'll delve into it, but it's probably got to be one of the better weekends I can remember in a long time especially coming from a place like Monaco. I think you couldn't have asked for a more interesting Q3 in qualifying. Um, Even Q1 and Q2 were excellent. Yeah, I think think there was a few factors that made it a particularly great qualifying. Um, And then I think the race, it was from the start, it was interesting. But I think the rain and a few strategy calls... Mm. Um, sort of spiced it up a little bit more. I mean, Verstappen won, but I still think uh, the path to victory was a lot less uh, certain than it, it might have looked to people if they hadn't watched the race. Hmm. And, and overall, I think it was a little bit fortuitous by, for him, but also just the fact that they made all the right calls at all the right times, um, like you would like you would expect a championship team to to really do. Unfortunately. Oh, not unfortunately, but just mm. in that situation, you know? Yeah, definitely. I think um, this weekend kind of reiterated how good Monaco can be, especially qualifying. Like for me, there is no better qualifying session on the calendar. Like Australia was awesome. And I think that was due to the fact that they were able to do multiple runs on the same set of tires. So cars were out on track all the time, but this just, there's something about this track and, Everyone complains that there's no passing, there's no, you know, all that sort of stuff in the race. But quality alone, I think, is worth having it on the track, on the calendar. I, sorry. I think there's something to be said about drivers knowing that their finishing position can be so um, in, intrinsically linked to their qualifying. Uh, whereas in other tracks, you sort of have a bit more of a chance to race through the field and, you know, and, and, and pull off some overtakes where Monaco is such a, um, you know, narrow track and it gets narrower as the cars get wider mm. um, that you really do need to pull out all the stops to get a good qualifying. And we saw it like we saw in, especially at the end of that Q3 times were falling but at the same time, all the drivers were saying they were taking more, had to take more and more and more risk mm. to achieve that time. And even I think Max had a pretty scary moment on his flying lap as well, um, which is really what you want to like at, at a track like that, where it is totally balls to the wall. Um, there was actually an interesting observation I made um, from watching that whole weekend. And I, I, I watched the whole Formula E weekend that was there a couple of weeks back. Yep. Um, sort of, I was excited to see them cars on, on the big track on the normal layout. Um, and what I took from this weekend is there is, there is nothing that those cars can do that hold a flame to anything that looks as, as no. good as, as the spectacle that formula one really creates around that track. Um, what were your takeaways from qualifying? And I thought, like, I mean, Checo crashing in Q1, disastrous for him, to- like totally destroyed his weekend from there. He never in the race was a- able to find a clear spot, unfortunately. Mm. Um, what, did you, what did you take from it? 
Well, I think um, I'm just looking at the timings now. The top eight cars in quality were separated by six tenths. Now, yeah. that's that's phenomenal considering the 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 quality of car between those you know six to eight cars. Um, six tenths is nothing. I know it's a smaller track, and you know then the Red Bull's probably not eking out as much performance because of the way the track's laid out, but. Six tenths is that's the kind of stuff we want to see week in, week out. And hopefully moving forward, you know, with as these teams get on top of the regulations, we see that more often. But there were a couple of things. The race, Fernando and Aston Martin, I think they maximized whatever they could this weekend. I even without the pit stop stuff up, well, no. I, I don't think they would have won the race. I think it would have been closer. I think Max just had too much pace. And I think this weekend we saw Max on a different level. Like just that he was put, what did he, what was it, 20 something seconds on, on Fernando in the dry running. Like that is insane around a track like Monaco. Um, so, we, you know, and then you've got the, the juxtaposition of Checo down in 16th, 15th for the whole race. I think it just showed – I've been saying it since day one. Everyone's been talking about Checo mounting a championship charge. Checo always starts a season off really well, but he can't be consistent enough in that Red Bull. What do you think? I think what you're saying has a lot of validity to it, especially after this weekend. Um, mm. I do think that – I don't want to say too much after just one weekend, but it is, it really hasn't, has been more than just one week. And like we saw the yep. crash in qualifying in, in a, at Albert park, yep. there was this one, I think there's another one that, that is escaping me as well. Was it Miami? But that was Leclerc, mm. but there was another one as well. <laughs> um, I, th- I think like these mistakes are, 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 are what are going to cost him dearly especially when you look at the championship and you see how close um, Fernando is to him with no race wins, but just pure consistency. Mm-hmm. And I suppose the problem that he has on a track like Monaco is you can have a great car like he's had all year, but there's nowhere, to, there's, there's nowhere to pass. And then there was even a few mistakes he made, like he ran into the back of a few cars, got very impatient. Um, mm. I mean, I suppose that was all he could do, but... Like that was that. That's a costly mistake. Not even setting a banker lap. You yeah. know what I mean? Like first corner of your first flying lap and going in there. So like it was even they were saying totally different to Albon's crash there in free practice because in Albon's one, it, like I think he'd entered the corner maybe four k's too fast. But they were saying like, um, um, Checo, Checo's one was over ten k's too fast. So you know. That, that's going to hurt him. No points for that race. Um, and I think there was like a few other... Uh, Norris's crashing qualifying I thought was a bit unfortunate, but... And 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 to be honest, it didn't really hurt him that much because he had set a pretty good time. So it, it, it stopped him from what competing in Q3 or was it in Q3? No, it happened in but, Q2, um, but he got through to Q3. That's right. Yeah, so he didn't wasn't able to compete in Q3. But uh, and 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 they were and and that's the thing they were looking 
during practice, like a pretty decent, a pretty handy car that, um, that McLaren. So I don't know if he could have made it a roadblock for the, for the rest of the, um, for the, for the race, but he sort of never gave himself the chance to, to push for the higher positions. They were kind of in no man's land all race. They were, they were the best of the rest. They were, you know, 10 seconds, whatever it was behind whoever it was in front of Lando. But then Oscar was, Oscar was like 10, 15 seconds ahead of Bottas by the end. So they were kind yeah. of like just with each other. And I was, I was, I was impressed with Oscar's pace. And when you look at, and I know on the chat today we were saying, you know, are we rewarding someone just doing their job? I think Anthony said it by praising Oscar. Of course, Anthony T- said that. Typical Aussie Aussie hate from him. But um, when you look at the other two rookies on the grid, Sargent didn't have a good weekend. And DeVries was probably the slowest car on track at one point. So no, the I thought, fact I thought I thought DeVries had probably his his best weekend in terms of qualifying and, and race pace, to be honest, for the car that he had. But that but Piastri was definitely the 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 um he, he looked he, he he looked like he belonged. Yep. He um was able to race away from cars, didn't put didn't make any mistakes. Um, I think the I think it didn't hurt that the car seemed to be working around there as well. Mm. That McLaren, um, so you know, all all boxes checked. But to leave Monaco with points in those precarious conditions as well, um, I thought was was um, really good. And then when you look at someone like Stroll, and and for like for me, I think the only driver I thought uh, looked. It wasn't even amateur, but it was looked so um, sort of foolish. Was just how he was, he like how he went out from making some mm. ridiculous, some ridiculous um, attempts at passing um, for Pia- like then to just oppose it to Piastri. I thought he just looked, yeah, really, really confident. He got ahead of Norris for a bit. Mm. Um, the pit strategy sort of didn't help him out, but you know, leave Monaco with a point. Great result for him. I think uh, Oscar's stocks are rising because he is able to hang on to the back of Lando quite closely in his first year, considering Lando's been there, what, five years now? Yeah. Um, I think it's a really good start to his Formula 1 career. I did want to say we've been – I've been pretty harsh on Ocon this season. You have. And, you have and, been. And Alpine. Gasly looked okay. He was not on the same level as Ocon. Ocon – Mate, he was a, a roadblock for science and to the point where science was getting frustrated and tried to make a silly move and essentially ruined his own race. Yeah. Um, so I have to give have to give props to Ocon there. He's um given himself a bit of a stay of execution, I think, after today's performance. He has he has re- he has some really good moments, though, Ocon. And I think he really has to try and sort of level out his highs and his lows. Um, I thought Alpine as a team made a massive step this weekend. Um, they've probably given themselves space from McLaren now. 100%. To, 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 to really kick like kick on going forward and not really worry about what's behind them. Um, great double points finish, qualified both in the 10. Um, yeah, the car probably isn't as fast as 
some of those other cars. But, you know, that was a great qualifying lap by Ocon. And like I said, the qualifying there is so important. He gave himself the best opportunity to, you know, get the result. And then when the, everything sort of went went to hell with when the rain came in, uh, and, he, and he had already done that first stop as well, sort of really maximised it, didn't make any... I don't think I saw him make any mistakes under the uh, in the wet either. Uh, never even looked. I don't even think he really ever had a moment where he lost traction. So he was really safe, really consistent, mm. and that's and that's a massive fifteen points for for um for Alpine. Great podium for him. Um, you know, especially after what came out or we discussed in the last pod about what Laurent Rossi said. Mm. I think that's sort of the shot in the arm that Alpine as a team probably have been looking for and need. Um, and out of, I think Mercedes probably all in all came away with the most points out of all the other teams, best of the rest. But I think our pain can probably take the most from that race, to be honest. Yeah. And I'm still like Gasly still settling in obviously, but but even he, but even he during the race, there was moments he looked really good. Mm. He got stuck in traffic, but there was even like he was on the hards, and they and for some reason they pitted him uh, before the rain came, but not too far before the rain came. And I thought, mm. oh, they'll, they'll be playing the same strategy as what Alonso is playing, and then they sort of just folded on that idea. Um, and I think they sort of missed sort of missed an opportunity there. And I don't know how his tire was looking, but he was pretty certain that he had a few, like a, a little bit more, more time in him, but you know, that's how it goes. So yeah, he didn't fin- I think he finished seventh, but even he had a sort of a mm. roll of the dice and looked better than they've looked all year to um, up to now. Yeah. I think they so just was, need to, happy for them. they just need to be consistent from here on in. Because they're a they constructor, yeah, they're a constructor, and they need to start performing like a constructor. They need to they need to finish races, which is what they both did, hmm. and they and they, and and podiums is great. But if they're aiming for like fifth spot, try and get around fifth, and then snag the occasional podium, I think that will keep the um the big bosses happy hmm. uh, enough. And it was actually I was actually thinking about during the race when I look at. And I look at Aston Martin, they've got probably the best. Uh, Alonso's doing amazing things with that car. But in terms of uh, second driver strength, they're probably the worst of that big four. And I don't know if it's going to come back to haunt them because uh, they're, they're, Mercedes is already ahead of them in the championship. Um, I don't think Alpine can reach them with the, um, with the pace that Alonso is showing, like if he can bag a minimum, oh, what he's averaging, what, 16 points a race, I don't think mm. um, Alpine's going to catch him. But in terms of how the season wears on and going into next season, I think they're the um, the team that really has to have a hard think about their driver lineup going forward because, um, well, Ocon has showed us he can make a few silly moves and when it's off, it's off, but also... Mm. When it's on, uh, he can stitch it together. Well, I guess that that kind of leads me into my next thing. Um, because I agree, I think Aston Martin have all these aspirations of challenging for titles, especially now, and we'll get into it maybe, um, with the Honda deal. But, yeah. um, uh, the rumors this week, and 
I don't necessarily think the rumors are true about the Lewis to Ferrari for 75 mil, but I guess there's no smoke without fire. So Lewis is clearly having conversations about his contract. Um, I think or, he's having conversations about his future, not his contract, like just about his future in the sport, I think would be more. Mm. But I also think Ferrari could potentially be looking at changing that lineup moving forward, which is why maybe we're getting these rumours. Um, maybe it's not so much to do with Lewis. So moving forward, like could you see, a, I don't know, a Carlos Sainz at Alpine, uh, not at Alpine, at Aston Martin? to partner um, Alonso in the future. I don't know. I, th- I think Carlos is on his way out or they don't, they won't be extending Carlos moving forward. Why they wouldn't extend Carlos. I would, I would be flabbergasted if it was from their side, to be honest. Mm. Like I'm, I'm just looking at the driver market. Uh, and this is including like Lewis at Mercedes. It's including Carlos. When If I'm Ferrari, the problem, your main problem isn't your driver's. And this, I think it's the same thing I was saying about McLaren last year. Your main problem is the car that you've developed. Mm-hmm. Once, 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 once you've sorted that out, and and you, you know, then I would worry about my driver pairing. But I feel like both those drivers are sort of maximizing the package. Yeah, they're making mistakes, but I feel like the car is exacerbating those problems because it seems to be so flimsy. Um. Uh, Lewis to Ferrari makes no makes no sense to me. No, um, I'm with you. Like, if Lewis is going anywhere, he's going to Red Bull or he's quitting. Like, I don't like the, the Ferrari isn't that much of a better car than the Mercedes. Like, and that's the long and short of it. Mercedes is still second in the championship, mm. um, and I don't think either team has really come close to ma- mounting a, a race. Um, you know, a good go at winning a race this year, but I would, I would put all my money on Mercedes getting that car sorted before the end of the year rather than Ferrari. Oh, hundred percent. Um, I just think, as, as I said, I don't think it's coming from Lewis or Mercedes that Ferrari's approached him. I just think Ferrari are potentially starting to have those conversations about their lineup and I'm with you. I don't know if, I don't think the drivers are the issue. I just think it's typical Ferrari to change things up when it's not working. And yeah, you could be right. I just, I just, there are so many other things I feel like they have to get on top of before they start changing drivers. I could see, I could see Carlos going to Aston Martin though. Mm. Like on his, on his own terms, I can see that. Um, but not him getting dropped. I feel like he could just walk away if, if, if whenever his contract is up. I don't know when his contract's up though, to be honest. I think it's um, end of next year. Yeah, so I don't know if they, they would let him walk before end of next year. They've got some time. Ferrari's got some time to sort this shit out. But and, and the other thing with, with Aston Martin is if everyone stays put, I don't know who they bring in because I don't think the options that are left, except maybe Albon, I would I would uh, sort of risk bringing into that seat over what Stroll is offering at the moment. Mm. Um like we know Norris isn't moving. We know Piastri isn't moving. Um, Sonoda, no. Well, Sonoda, maybe with the new Honda news, but I don't think like as a driver, he's ready for that role. Uh, and I don't think, I don't think there are any other 
drivers on the grid who, who I would actively promote to that role, mm. thinking off the top of my head. Well, I think I think DR could do a job there, but I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, like, like I, I, I would don't doubt he could do a job there, but I don't like I don't see him no. going there after you know reconciling with Aston uh, with uh, Red Bull. Mm. Maybe Checo will go there and DR will get his old seat back. Oofed. That'd actually be now that would that would be the only one that I think would make sense. Because mm. Checo's, Checo's stock has still never been higher, and the Aston Martin team he has a history with, um, mm, recent true. history, and um, the car's never been better either. To be honest, so if Ooh. if anything was, but 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 I would still say as well bring in a driver like DR Checo, even Bottas, but I don't see Bottas moving it, moving either. I, I feel like they need a driver who's going to challenge for those, mm. those scrap points that stroll, like the last three races, stroll has looked so far from Alonso. It's like they're he's driving a different car. Um, There's no way like, I know in hypothetically, this all sounds great. And if it was any other team, Stroll would be gone, but he's not going anywhere. I I don't I don't think it's as cut and dry as that because Aston Martin still answer to still answer to stock um shareholders. And it's not even that. I feel like if you're if you're if you're have have real aspirations of being world champions and, and, and that's the that's what it comes down to, real aspirations. Mm. Of being world champions, and I've been the biggest stall defender on this podcast. I think as well, mm-hmm. he's not the piece that you need in that second driver role, and he's also not the piece you're going to need when Alonso decides to walk away. So, if he's neither of those pieces, the hard reality is, is that he doesn't really like that seat is too valuable for a team with aspirations of Aston Martin. You know, we've seen them now making decision to go independent on an engine mm. provider as well. So they're, so, so they're gearing up to be an independent team, like a totally independent team, um, which is a great move, ballsy move. I, 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 you know, I have huge respect for that decision. Um, but it's also, a win-win. I think it's a great decision. I think it's great for the sport as well to have all your big teams, uh, you know, with different suppliers. Um, but with those, you know, aspirations, I feel like if Stroll was there to was was still to be there at that time, it would sort of it would be a bit of a contradiction. Hmm. Um, what's the word? Nepotism. Yeah, it'd be nepoti- It'd be a bit of nepotism. Um, so. How how the cookie crumbles in the future, I don't know. But I do I would expect Papa Stroll to have a chat with his son and say, <laughs> Your time is up. You've been there for well, see, how long has he been there for? He has to have been there for at least nearly well, it's seven been, years. It's been well, he was at Williams for about three years. Two or three years, and then he was at Yeah, then he went racing to Racing Point, Point for two years, and he's mm. been at Aston for two years. I reckon about six or seven years. I'm going to look it up now while you present me the next question. Well, um, talking about Honda returning and the perennial in and outers, which are Honda. So we're going to have in 2026, Audi with Sauber. You're going to have Mercedes 
You're going to have Ford and Red Bull partnering, Honda, mm-hmm. Ferrari. I think there's, I think I counted today six powertrains. This is his seventh year. <laughs> yeah, he Just needs saying. to go. I've been saying it from day one, but seven power, tra- six powertrains in yeah. 2026. Yeah. What does that, mo- and Alpine's the other one, obviously, Renault. What does that mean for McLaren, Williams, and Haas moving forward? Well, I heard something interesting today that I haven't been able to clarify, so I don't know if it was a clickbait title, but it made sense. Mm. I heard that Alfa Romeo are positioning themselves to be a, a, like a sponsor on title Haas. Sponsor. Yeah, I saw that. Haas. Yeah. I didn't confirm it because I forgot about it again. <laughs> but it would it would make that would imply to me that Ferrari is that Haas is going to keep their Ferrari, yeah, um, partnership. partnership going, which makes sense because they pretty much moved next door to Ferrari. That's fair enough. Mm-hmm. For the other teams, McLaren, Williams and McLaren, Williams and McLaren partner with who you think is going to be the best of the of of those of those teams. Um. I would like to see Williams get get that um, Honda relationship going again. To be honest, for nostalgia's sake, uh, sake. Realistically, I don't, I don't really give. A, I don't really care. They're like for those for those for Williams and McLaren. I think as long as they're on the grid um, and 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 performing. I, I would say I would I would say Williams is not leaving from Mercedes at any time soon, especially mm. now with with Val's as the team principal. I think his connection to Mercedes is is too strong. Um, it's just too easy for him, you know, in terms of deals and and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I think McLaren is going to be the the interesting one because their aspirations are to be a championship um, contender. Uh, and I, I find it so uh, sort of interesting that <laughs> Aston Martin's pulled the plug, uh, sort of pulled the pin on, on on their own engine manufacturer before before McLaren could. I think it's it might it has shown a little bit of a change in in the hierarchy. Um, to be honest with you, mm. uh, and that's no sort of dig at McLaren, even though. It, it's definitely shows sort of the intent of Aston Martin, but they've probably missed the boat now. I, I yeah. really think they've 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 missed that boat. And, um, and you you would expect Sauber to be stronger with Audi backing. You would you would expect Honda to have all their IP from the existing power unit, so that's probably going to be pretty strong straight off the bat. You would expect Red Bull to continue on the same trajectory they're on now, or at least the performance will be similar. Um, Ferrari's Ferrari, who knows? And Mercedes are only just going to get better. I I don't know. Like, does this turn McLaren into bottom of the middle pack? Uh, it depends how good whoever's engine. I think at the end of that depends on how good whoever's engine they choose is. But what what it doesn't give them is the ability to package a car around the engine, mm-hmm. um, which is which we've seen at the start of the the these eras is 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 massive. Um, how it plays out, I don't know. Like thinking about it, they might want to. There are so many options for them that they can take, but um, 
it's going to be interesting, like whoever they choose, because you're always going to be playing second fiddle from now on. Mm. Um, and then we've also seen how quickly uh, a relationship can sour when the team who's buying engines is performing better than the team who makes the engines uh, in the case of Red Bull and Renault. Uh, so I would say it would make the most sense for them to position themselves with Audi. Uh, but at the same time, Audi has zero track record mm. in terms of making these engines. Uh, so I've not, I have no idea, but I do think they've definitely missed the boat. Uh, in terms of getting themselves a manu- manufacturer, because that Honda one, I I heard Honda was positioning themselves to come back with another team in 2026, and I honestly thought it was going to be McLaren. I thought they could have built that, or sort of mended that bridge, um, and it would have suited both teams with you know the recent success of Honda. Uh, so for that to then go to Aston Martin good on Aston Martin for securing that. Um, but I don't know where it, I don't, I don't know where it leaves McLaren. I would guess that McLaren as a race winning organization consistently is, is done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think the writing has been on the wall for a minute as well. Yeah. It seems a bit doom and gloom, but I guess look at Aston. Um, this year, but uh, my concern is the fact that there's going to be so many constructors moving forward that they will get left I behind. Think, I don't think they'll all stay. That's the other thing. Mm. One of them always leaves. Once the whoever starts the worst, usually, usually, usually pull, pull, pulls the plug pretty quick. Um, um, you know. Well, mate, we've got Spain next week. I'm yeah. I'm excited. Um, for a traditional track, even though Spain isn't the most exciting, but they've gotten rid of the, the final chicane, which I think will yeah. um, make that back straight a little bit more conducive to some overtaking. Yeah. Um, any predictions or any anything you're looking forward to? I'm looking forward to. Um, I want to see how this this new Mercedes mm. um, aero package works on a real track. I would have liked to see that a comparison between the two cars at this track. So I think them being so qu- close in qualifying at a track that you probably wouldn't have expected them to with the old package mm. might show an, you know, a bit of an upgrade on, on the package itself, but we, you know, we're going to a traditional track now. Um, the one they all know the best. Yeah. They all know. And, I, and that's, that's, I think this is, as well probably hurt them at Monaco was that the, the track is such a weird track to set up for. Yeah. Um, you know, so they're going back to, to a track that they all know. Well, I want to see, like, I, I think the car looks great. I love the aero package. It looks traditional. It's different to the Red Bull yet similar. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like, it's, it's very much an in-between between the Ferrari and the Red Bull. So it's going to be interesting to see how it performs against the uh, Red Bull Mercedes of Aston Martin. Um, but I think it can only get better, but I think for me, that's, that's the the only real question of what can change in this season really is still a bit of an unknown. So I'm interested to see how, how that goes because there was some like significant changes to that car, even like suspension mounting points and stuff like that. So I was like, oh, so it's a proper, 
it's a proper evolution. I saw a side by side, like a split in the middle of the two cars, and it's, and and it is massive changes. Like the rear wing is different. You've got the mounting points for the suspension is different. Obviously, the side pods are different, but it's more than just bolting side pods on. It's a whole, you know, proper upgrade. Yeah, I guess Mercedes as an organization now, like I know they went down that design philosophy, but moving forward, they know what direction not to take. So they've eliminated, I guess, one whole um, aerodynamic philosophy. So I foresee them next year coming with a pretty strong car at, a, at, at the latest. I would imagine they'll be doing a lot of testing for the rest of this year, but if you anything... Would imagine- Sorry, keep going. Sorry. I was going to say, if any team's going to catch up to Red Bull, I think it is going to be Mercedes, which well, would be this nice. Is, this is really sort of this car now is going to be the platform for building onto next mm. year anyway. Um, it's funny. Like it, it was very much, they have finally given us validation that, <laughs> yep, that, that old car, whatever their thoughts about the car was uh, initially, it is done. It was a failure. They're moving on from it. Um, I am interested to see if they can get a win by the end of the year now. Because I, I, all of a sudden, as weird as this sounds, now that they've changed their philosophy, for me, they are the team on the grid who, who's going to snag a win. Hmm. Because like even yesterday, they had no right finishing fourth and fifth. No right at all. You know? Yeah. So to snag those points to now be sitting second in the championship ahead of Aston Martin, ahead of Ferrari, yeah, this, their season has been a, a bit of a failure. But so then look at the results, look at the points they've got. They're nowhere near Red Bull, but they're still best of the rest. Ooh. So when you think back to last year, at this point, I think Ferrari was still ahead in the championship. Yeah, Ferrari had a few wins by this time. Probably had three wins by this point. So, I three, maybe two. And I'm not saying that Mercedes is going to go now and start winning all the races like Red Bull did last year, but I think, well, I'm hoping more so than anything that moving forward that we get a bit more closer racing. We get not only Lewis and Max, but George and Max. I want to see George running up the front and see where he's actually at because I think on your average weekend where the car's not performing, George and Lewis are close but where the car is performing and I feel that Lewis can still get a little bit more performance out of it than George. So I want to see George now push on, move, move yeah. up. Yeah. Um, because we know how good he can be. We saw him in formula two, how good he was in the Williams. Now I want to see him go in the, in the Mercedes. Yeah. hundred percent. I but, think um, of all the things to look forward to coming this week and, and towards the end of the season, this is going to be, or this is yeah. what I'm looking forward to most. And what you like, what you said, I think out of the four or five or four uh, team pairings, I think they're the closest. They probably push themselves uh, the most just by how competitive that like this, there isn't a really a number one in that, in that team at the moment, which is fantastic for them. Mm. And if that car can get sorted out, um, you know, like I think Red Bull, I think Aston, I think Ferrari will all have to sort of make, really smart decisions about their driver pairings because if with a good car, uh, Max is going to be there, but you would throw Lewis and George straight to the, you know, into that top pecking order mm-hmm. over the other guys. 
which is as funny as it sounds, what I really want to see is Mercedes mm. back at the top. You know, I have, I have the most faith in them as an organization. I think I made that abundantly clear last year. Yeah. Oh, I, I'm the same. And I think this is what I was saying. I think start of the year or end of last year, that if a team does start challenging Red Bull, is Checo the guy to stay up there with the big guns? Um Consistently, I think he's got the pace, but I don't know whether he's consistent enough to do it. They haven't got anyone else. That's the problem. Mm. So uh, that, is, be, that is that is a problem. It'll be interesting to see because, well, Max did it in 2021 when it was Verstappen, no, Bottas and Hamilton. So, you know, we know he's good I, enough. But I honestly think, though, as of this year, they've built up enough cushion already. Yeah, 100%. That, Checo is safe <laughs> in terms of that. He's safe. Um, he's not going to lose them the championship. No. But, yeah, I think with with a with a car that is le- or not as competitive as it is now or not mm. as dominant, I should say, as it is now, that's when real questions will be asked. And I feel like Red Bull owe it to themselves to bring in one of those younger drivers that they're nurturing. Um and at least see if they're cut of this of of the right cloth. Because yeah. I think we all know deep down that Checo is safe. Mm. But but if what we want to happen comes true, you don't want someone safe. You no. don't need you not even you want, you can't afford someone safe. I just don't know who Red Bull brings through because I know Liam Lawson's are being touted as the next one, but I don't think he goes straight into the Red Bull seat. I think he goes. No, I, I, I don't think he will, and I think that's why they've made a big mistake mm. not bringing him or not bringing him in already. Yeah. But um, I, I think both their Super Two drivers, I could, I could see them both coming into that into Tour Rosso next year because they yeah. both look they both look like they could be made of the right stuff, but we'll never know if. We keep, you know, I think I think DeVries has unfortunately the the position he's been put in with the car he's been given mm. isn't a great car for him to start in. I think it's hurt him. I think Sonoda's been all right, but by the end of the year it's gonna be we know what we've got. And there's mm. no sort of spice there in terms of a future with Red Bull. Um and it would, I don't think it would harm like the, the, the results I would get would be much different if they brought in these two rookies anyway. Hey, I'll tell you one thing. It's funny that the difference a couple of weeks makes because at the end of the last race, I think it was Miami, it was all doom and gloom. And now I'm, I'm pumped up for the rest of the season. So, Mate, it was, I didn't expect it from this weekend. And no, I stayed up for the race. Did you? I couldn't do yeah. it. I woke up I was, early this morning and watched it. Qualifying jacked me up so much. <laughs> I was like, you know what? I'm going to watch this race. I'm going to watch it live. Um, I, and I was pumped about it as well. Hmm. And I was praying for the rain when the rain when the rain sort of came on the radar and it came. And I was like, this is this is what um, sort of and it is it's a weird juxtaposition at all because the Indy 500 was this morning, hmm. and that was also a great race. Totally different reasons. But I was like, when when the right chips fall in a Formula One race, you can get a bloody interesting event, 100%. even at, even at a track that I fucking despise. <laughs> um, 
Hey, I'll tell you, my morning, I woke up at five. I watched the race as if it was, I didn't check my phone. Mm-hmm. I didn't go on Instagram or anything until 3 p.m. this afternoon because that's when I finished Indy. I didn't want to know any okay. results. Yeah, okay. So both races were excellent. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how I do it because I can't stay up anymore. I'm too old. Yeah, fair enough. Well, I've got a couple of years left on you, so <laughs> I'll, I'll keep trying to do it as much as I can. <laughs> I was actually, I was actually, actually going to do the all-nighter and and wait for Indy, and and I was like, you know, I'll just I'll just um, pack it in the morning and, and go to work late, and then I realised I had a meeting booked at nine thirty this morning at Coogee, and Oof. I was like, hey, there's no way I'm getting I'm getting to Coogee with no sleep. No way. <laughs> so I thought I'll, I'll bite the bullet, but um, yeah, I th- I think what a great weekend, such a good weekend. Those you know the when Formula One is on, it can be on. I think it shows people like Anthony that he doesn't have to be pessimistic every week. We don't need a great we don't need a great race every week, but this is I think race six of the season, and we've had two memorable races of those six. We can get eight memorable memorable races out of the twenty three this year or seven. I think that's a pretty good conversion rate. Um, and I'll leave you with this this bit of wisdom that I heard from the new WTF one pod, uh, what is it? I don't know what it's called. What's the new one called? Uh, you know, Maddie and, and yeah, Tommy from Tommy. Paris. Yeah. yeah. Their, their new, their new show. Mm. So Tommy was saying in 2000, the, the 2016 F1 race uh, at Monaco was the year that Danny Rick got robbed in the pit lane yep. from a massive team blunder. Right. Everyone remembers that race. And there was no overtakes, I think, in the top 10 in that race, except through pit strategy. And yet everyone remembers the race. Three races before that in China, I think it was a race where Danny Rick was sending it from, from well back. <laughs> I, miss, the, I miss Red Bull Danny Rick. Fire was, was, that was the three races before it was the record of overtakes in an F1 race ever. And no one remembers it. No one remembers it. So this, So it isn't all in the overtakes as much as we might think it is Mm. it's in the moments. And I think races like that have, you know, build bits in our memory, like little sort of uh, like shelves in a library where we go, we can go and pull moments from races. And I think that yesterday's race, we will remember. Um, Well, you just gave me the name for this week's pod, mate. Monaco moments. Okay. You're you're welcome. (laughs) I wanted some residuals. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I think it's a valid point, though. Far out. I yeah. Because everyone does remember 2016. Yeah. And, I, and when he said that, I was I was sort of taken aback. And I was like, well, <laughs> if you said to me, how, what was the race of the most overtakes in F1, in F1 history, there is no way I'd be like, oh, 2016 China. No way. Um, I actually think Max Verstappen won that race as well, if my memory serves me correct. But uh, maybe you can check that up. You know, I, will check. I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind seeing if I'm right. It'd be a good knowledge flex. I reckon Max won, eh? No, Rosberg. Ah, close. Max wasn't even on the podium, mate. Wasn't he? Oh wait, was he? No, Kvyat. Kvyat. 
It was before they replaced Kvyat with Max. Oh. Okay then. Remember, because Max won his first race ever. It was in um 2016 in Spain. So it would have been this weekend. Uh, Look at that. What the fuck do I know, eh? <laughs> we'll cut that bit. That's <laughs> no, alright. No well, worries. Uh, well, uh, guys, thanks for uh, thanks for listening. Keep liking, subscribing, all the stuff that Anthony says on a weekly basis. Uh, keep interacting with the socials. And yeah, Joe, thanks for jumping on, mate. It's been good. See you in a week. You shall. Spanish Grand Prix. Love it. Let me See you, mate. This recording. See you, dude.